Hey everybody, and welcome to episode 188 of the iFruit Show. We don't have a panel today. This is James Zuber from Sharp 5 Software, but we do have a special guest today. We have Anastasi. Hello, hello everyone. So Anastasi is also known as Vixen Tail on Twitter and various other social media, but we brought Anastasi on the show because she's been doing a lot of talks around iOS security, and that's a topic we don't cover that much. We think it's all covered for us, but not in a lot of cases. But uh, So we all know that security is, is an important thing, you know, we don't want our users' data to get out there. It could be embarrassing. We, we have their password information and code. We don't want to store it in any secure way. But Apple goes through a lot of trouble to, to really protect us, to, you know, even from the App Store review, to make sure we're doing reasonable things with our security, and they, they do sandboxing. Is what Apple does protect, protect us security-wise enough? Um, yes and no. Uh, yes, Apple does really a lot. They have written a lot of guides, a lot of security guides for you. I really recommend you to read them. And on the latest WWDC, there was at least three sessions about user security and user privacy. So Apple really pushed developers to implement security practices. But unfortunately, without our, um, our side, without developers' sides, it's not enough. It's not just Apple. We should do something too, because we're responsible about our applications. Uh, for example, let's say store data. We are responsible on how our application stores data. Yes, Apple has a lot of instruments, but uh, Apple provides us a lot of instruments, but we should use those instruments and we should use them correctly. That makes sense. So what are the the major mistakes that most new iOS developers make with security? Well, I think that the first mistake is that they don't care, right? Because they believe that they live in those, you know, magical world uh, and everything inside iPhone is secured, like, from the box, out of the box, and they don't need to do anything. That's, unfortunately, it's not exactly true. Uh, and as soon as they came out from this box, they start to ask questions like how to protect my application, what is the encryption methods, what really I should encrypt and why. And sometimes they believe that only using HTTPS connection is enough. Unfortunately, that's the second mistake. Like, no, using HTTPS connection is great, it's must-have, but unfortunately, it's not enough. And we need to go deeper on this point. Like, if using HTTPS is not enough, why? What can go wrong? And now you understand that security is really, really deep, deep hole, and you need to dig level by level by level. You need to understand risks about your, replica about your application. You need to understand where with trust in your app, what is the trust model, then how to derive trust from your users, how to create passwords, what data to encrypt, what data not to encrypt, and so on, so on, so on. This is, this sounds complicated, and many people, they're just afraid of this complexity. They think that it's really, if it sounds complicated, that it may be complicated to implement. But as soon as you have some basic knowledge, how it should work, how a secure system looks, it's not really complicated. 
So what things can people do to secure their apps? Are, are the issues that we're having mainly just between our app and the server that we're doing with HTTPS? Well, in security, when people talk about app, they talk about some data we want to protect. And when they talk about data, um, they understand that data can be in three different states. I think you know about it. It's a stored data, so the data which has been like stored on your device, the data which has been transferred somewhere, for example, to the server, and the data which is in memory right now. Uh, fortunately, it's not really easy to get data in memory from your iPhone. It's possible. It's not, it's not easy, but it's possible. And unfortunately, it's complicated to protect your data while it's in memory, because usually it's uh, plain text. Right, uh, so we will talk about two second, two classes, the data that is stored and the data that is being transferred. And you need to protect this data. To understand how to protect it, you need to understand risks of your application, like what are possible weak points. Uh, let's let's um, imagine some example, let's imagine some application that's, that stores nodes, for example. If it stores nodes, that in this case, these stored nodes can be stolen. How? Well, there are a lot of ways. Your device may be jailbroken, you may not set up the pin code, you may leave your device unprotected on the table, and so on and so on. How to protect your stored data? Basically, you need to encrypt it. Right, and right now we can talk really long about different methods and about different encryption methods. But let's go next. Let's talk about transfer data. Uh, many applications, many iOS applications, they work with a server side, which is great because you can sync your data within your multiple devices, and which is bad because it means that data is not only stored on your device, but probably stored on the server too. And in this case, it should be transferred to the server, also protected. And when we are talking about secure transfer, it means that data should be encrypted again. And on this point, we can also continue with different methods of transfer encryption. But the idea is that, first of all, we understand the risks. Second, we understand where is the trust in our system. Usually trust is a user, so user is the only one who can unlock nodes on our node, imaginary node application. And second, we built some protection methods. In our case, it was encryption of stored data and encryption of transferred data. This is the basic idea. The next step will be well, security audit. Let's talk a little bit about uh, your stored data. So I, one thing I see very frequently is someone putting a password in NSD defaults. Can, can you tell us why that's a bad idea? <laughs> uh, well, as we talked before, developers, iOS developers, they believe that they live in those magical worlds. And Apple says, hey, people, we have NS user defaults. Use them. And people use. 
So it's not their fault, actually. But user defaults is not the place to store some sensitive data, really, because uh, it's plain text when device is unlocked. As you know, there are a lot of uh, encryption mechanisms on iOS itself, and when device is locked, all data is, most data is encrypted. Uh, but when device is unlocked, you can read anything, basically, which is stored in user defaults. It's okay to store something in user defaults if you encrypt it before storing and if you decrypt it after reading. Uh, but keychain. Keychain is exact instrument to store passwords and to store small bits of data. Unfortunately, Keychain is another instrument provided by Apple and uh, it means that you totally trust the whole system. But if device is jailbroken, every Apple provided mechanism is broken too. Right? So if you are paranoid, I would not suggest you uh, to use, to trust blindly all instruments that Apple provides. You can add your own encryption. You can store keys, for example, like uh, split it by different parts. So not the whole key in a keychain, but part of the key. Some information which is needed to derive key, but not the key itself. So that's interesting. So I've always just had the mindset that you know, if you use the keychain, you're fine. You're practicing reasonable security. You're saying if someone jailbreaks the phone, they can get access to that. How difficult is it for them to get access to sensitive data that we store securely, we hope, in our keychain? Well, you can Google. There are a lot of ways, a lot of uh, jailbreak, jailbreaking attacks. So we can say that it's easy. But we can't, unfortunately, we can't say that it's impossible, right? If you remember Pegasus, do you know about Pegasus or Pegasus probably? It's a remote jailbreak. So this is attack. Well, basically, it's easy. You just have, you receive an SMS message with some link. You press on this link. Your Safari is being opened and you see some like kitten movie, like kitten clip, kitten video. And you think, yeah, okay, I, I see some kitten video, everything is okay. But on the background, this kitten video, it's not actually the kitten video. It's some malware that is being installed using vulnerability in Safari. It's being installed in your memory of uh, in your iPhone memory. It's being unpacked using another vulnerability and it's it's ruined sandbox basically and now it has access to everything in in memory of your iphone basically this is you can read about pegasus on link we will provide in this podcast i believe as a mechanism is really very very interesting and it's very very complicated it's a set of vulnerabilities like step by step by step which allows attacker to grab data from uh, most um, popular applications that you may use, like mail, Gmail, uh, Viber, 
and WhatsApp, if I remember correctly. So it's not impossible, but it's complicated. That's a, that's a good point, because if Apple had pure, perfect security, no one would be able to jailbreak phones. I mean, jailbreaking is actually breaking, busting through Apple security and getting access to stuff that Apple doesn't want them to have. So you talked a little bit about adding another level of encryption, even on top of a keychain or encrypting whatever it might be in as user defaults. How do you? How can you go about that? <clears throat> well. Um... This type of encryption is storage encryption. Actually, it's the most, like, it's easy because storage encryption is something you can encrypt and decrypt using one, one key. So, mostly it's symmetric encryption. And uh, what you need to do is to derive key from some information that only user knows. For example, the password. So, you don't put password inside your application like never the password is something inside user minds you ask user please input the password you use this password and derive a secret key uh, how to derive a key there is so-called kdf key derivation function it's easy mathematical function. This is a part of any cryptographic library you use. Of course, it's a part of common crypto and security framework. This is a special function to create cryptographically strong key from any input data. So you use this user password and you derive the secret key and you use this key to encrypt the data before putting it to user defaults. When you want to read this data from user defaults, again, you need to ask user the password. User input the password. You derive the same secret key and you decrypt the data. Okay, so with the password you can create the key and if you get reasonable data out of it, you know it's, it's correct. Um, yeah. Okay. Um, I can, I can continue because a lot of people think that using encryption is great, but still put keys inside code. Like, you know, the string, let's string my secret password, my secret password. Mm -hmm. And you put, this, you put this password inside your code, which is obviously not really good. So you can use any awesome encryption method, any awesome library, but as soon as you don't store keys properly, it means that you basically you don't do anything good. It, your system still is not secure. Yeah, definitely. Now, I deal with a lot of apps, and to put it lightly, security is not on the top of a lot of my clients customers or people I've worked with on their on the top of their list for priorities for that. They want these features out, they want them out the door. How do we know how much security to add in, in our application? Do we need to secure everything uh, you know, beyond what's in the keychain, what Apple provide for us? Well, you know, you, you know I, this is ex exactly the problem. Um, security is something we put you know, to the end of our backlog. Uh, after our awesome features, after animations, and after 
all this cute stuff for our users. But unfortunately, as we talked previously, uh, the risks are important. If we understand that we are making huge bank application or we are dealing with some private information of private data of our users, we need to calculate the risks, amount of money we will lose if our application will be cracked. If this amount of money is more than amount of money we will spend building security, in this case, probably you're creating an application like Instagram for kittens and it's okay for you not to implement security practices in it. But in most applications, we can lose really, really a lot of money if we don't think about security on the early steps. Right? So, talking with our managers, it's always easy to calculate money. That's true. And... You know, security violations, you know, security vulnerabilities have been all over the news over the past couple of years. Even a target retailer, a big retailer in the U.S., they get hacked in their system. They leaked a bunch of their users' security, uh, social, not credit cards. That was very embarrassing to them. So that's a that's a huge expense for them, just their brand and everything. Even to more recent times, our in the U.S. at least, our Democratic and Republican committees are, are being hacked and have their secrets exposed to the media, which has affected the election. So having your data out there can be very expensive and very damaging to whatever you're trying to do, even if you're not a bank. Right. And the bad thing is that if you have already created your application, like build, for, build your app for 90 persons, and you believe that it's almost done, and then you realize, hmm, I want to make it a little bit more secure. Unfortunately, it's a bad idea, because, well, idea is good, but uh, if your application is almost done, implementing security practices will be really, really complicated, because you basically you need to ruin everything and to reconstruct it in a more secure way which takes a lot of extra time and, of course, extra money. It's much more easy to implement security practices before, like it's like from the first features, from the first sprints of your application. Well, that's a good point. If you yeah, think about security from the beginning, that makes it easier down the road versus getting all your patterns set up and then, oh, make it secure, which yeah. can be difficult. <laughs> It do just doesn't work, like, sorry, sorry, it doesn't work. I can make it secure. Uh, I can suggest to, I can suggest you to read some uh, security audits of other applications. I will post a link to security audit of CryptoCat application, which is very interesting to read, because on, on one hand, you're reading the audit report of some application you never try, you never play with. But on the other hand, as developer, you read all the stuff and you realize, hmm, my application used the same approach. Probably I have the same problem and probably I can solve it right now without waiting when I will be hacked. Well, that's a good point. So, so we've talked a bit about storing data securely, 
you mentioned earlier about handling security over the network and using HTTPS, but that not being enough. Can you talk a little bit more about that? What can iOS developers do to make sure that network that data that we're sending to the data to our to our network APIs is secure? Okay. So yeah, so let's talk about transfer secure about securing data while it's being transferred. The thing is that many people believe that using SSL, using HTTPS is enough. Unfortunately, it's not exactly true because SSL, the, the system, the whole system of SSL TLS encryption is centralized. As you know, there is a certificate authorities, the centers of certificate authority, and you can get the SSL certificate from them. And the thing is that this process of getting certificate, it can be um, hacked and you can get a certificate not for your site, but from for other site. As you know, the latest news uh, about WoSign WoSign is certificate authority from China and Apple, Google and Mozilla, they refuse working with new certificates signed by WoSign because WoSign signed certificates for not real owners of the sites. And one guy described an issue when he got certificate for GitHub. He was not an owner of GitHub, but he got certificate for it. So if you believe that your application is uh, secure just by using SSL, there is a chance that someone can have SSL certificate for your server and can read all data that you transfer to your server. Cause SSL TLS, it's, it's encryption. It means that your data is being encrypted while it's being transferred and it's being decrypted on a server. So if someone has certificate, it can, he or she can decrypt the data. But the problem of SSL is not also the, it's not only the problem of certificate authorities. Unfortunately, there are some uh, vulnerabilities in the whole mechanism that can make it uh, not so secure. Maybe you know about man in the middle attack. What if you pretend to be your server? and your application will talk to you, to attack your server, thinking that is a real server, like the usual man-in-the-middle scheme. And the attacker will pretend to be your application to your real server. So like not talking one-to-one, -one, but talking with somebody in the middle, with the attacker in the middle. And this scheme, uh, the same, the attacker can decrypt any data you send to your server. Nice idea is to use SSL pinning. And if you look on top iOS applications, like Twitter, for example, they use an SSL pinning for last year or maybe even two years. Can you explain, SSL what, pinning, yeah, explain what SSL pinning is? SSL pinning is very simple idea. You hard code server certificate inside the application, you pin certificate. And next time when your application will do connection to your server, it will compare certificate from your server 
which certificate it has hard-coded inside. And if those certificates don't match, it means that your, your app is not talking with a real server. It's talking with somebody with the wrong SSL certificate, uh, which sounds really great and which means that you can be sure on your client side, on your application side, that you're talking with the correct server. But unfortunately, SSL pinning, it's not so easy to implement, it's not so easy to, uh, to handle. Because, as you know, SSL certificates, they will expire or you want to generate new SSL certificate. So you need to implement some mechanism of updating the SSL certificate. Because otherwise, your application won't be able to connect to your server if certificate is expired, right? And uh, it takes some time to update the whole application. Because, the, because of the review process, you need to wait. So uh, you can do SSL pinning, but you need to understand that this is not just to pin certificate, but to make, to make sure the certificate will be, uh, will be correct in any time. And you need to, your developer, it's your developer responsibility again to make sure. So when you say hard coding certificate, is that code or make like a, 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 a string constant? How do we how do we do that? Uh, there are different methods to do it. You can read in OWASP checklist what exactly parts of SSL certificates you can pin. But yes, you can pin the whole certificate, the file, or you can pin just a public key from those certificate as a string in your app. And of course, if your device is jailbroken and somebody has stolen your device or you just misplaced it somewhere, uh, the attacker can get into file system and read the hard-coded certificate from the storage of your iPhone. So, SSL is not enough, SSL pinning is not enough unfortunately, we can be even more paranoid. And we can add another level of encryption, our own level of encryption. So before sending the data, you can encrypt this data and of course send it via HTTPS. So it will be kind of double encrypted. It will be encrypted by, by your own encryption and then it will be encrypted by SSL TLS encryption. Uh, the thing is that if you use the same key for every session, just imagine you are building chat application and for every message you use the same key. If somebody is uh, tempering your messages, is reading your network channel, the attacker will have a long list of your encrypted messages. But and of course, he or she will try to find the key to decrypt these messages, which can happen because any encryption algorithm is not perfect and some vulnerability can be found in your encryption algorithm. For example, in a day, in a week, in a month, you can't be sure. Today, you can't be sure that in a month, your encryption algorithm will still be so perfect as today. 
because a lot of vulnerabilities are found like every day. So if some vulnerability will be found and attacker now has a long list of your encrypted conversation, using this vulnerability, he or she can get the key and decrypt everything you have sent. Let's say all your history during last year, for example. The thing is that using the same key to encrypt any your message is bad because all your messages may be uh, stored and may be decrypted by one key. The good thing is to uh, change encryption keys. So this idea is called ephemeral keys or temporal keys. For each session of conversation, you generate new ephemeral key and use this key to encrypt data only during this session. On the next session, you will generate new key and so on, so on, so on. In this case, attacker still can uh, read all your data connection and still can store all your messages. But if vulnerability in the algorithm will be found, it will take really more time to get key to, a, to each of your messages, to each of your sessions. It will get really more time to decrypt all your information. Very cool. That that's definitely a different extra level of security that most of us are not thinking through. So we're getting a little bit low on time. Is there anything else that we should cover with security? Yes, the good news. So everything before was kind of bad news because you need to do this, 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 and a lot of this complicated stuff. The good news is that there is a library for that. Um, that is good news. Oh, yeah. Of course, uh, you can select a lot of between among a lot of libraries uh, that provides you different encryption mechanism for storage encryption, which is uh, not so complicated as transfer encryption. But you can also select a lot of uh, among a lot of libraries for your transfer encryption. In this thing, uh, it's a little bit tricky because you need to have the same encryption algorithm on your client side and on your server side, right? And if you're building a large system, for example, iOS application, Android application and the server, you need to have some libraries that handles all ends, like not two, but three ends at this point. It may be a little bit tricky. But fortunately, there are libraries and there are protocols and there are, you can find them on GitHub. You can read some links we will provide about libraries and just select and use one. Very cool. So thanks for letting us know all about security. This is, this is good stuff and stuff that we can all use to improve our apps if, you know, if it makes sense, if we're handling sensitive data that could damage the people we work for, or the companies, or our own data. But uh, let's get to the picks. So, Anastasia, well, what do you have for us? Well, I have selected movies, because our conversation may uh, was a little bit complicated, maybe a little bit tough. So let's talk about movies. Uh, the first movie I want to talk is an old hacker's movie. You know, that movie 
from 1995, like old school hackers. I really recommend it to watch it. And the second one is The Imitation Game. The movie about Second World War, about Turing and Turing machine. So both movies are connected with cryptography and security, but you may find a lot of interesting details while watching them. Very cool. Those are both excellent geek movies. So I think most of our, yeah. most of our audience will like them if they haven't seen them, but definitely some classics. So I'll do a pick. I'll do a, also do a movie pick. So I was browsing through Netflix a few weeks ago, and I ran across No Country for Old Men by the Coen brothers, and I had never seen it, so I watched it, and it was a great movie. And I wasn't sure why I hadn't seen it. I don't go to a lot of movies. I usually wait for enough people to rave about a movie, then I'll go see it. But I missed this one when it came out, so I thought maybe it was overlooked. It wasn't overlooked at all. It won an Oscar for Best Picture. But excellent movie. Not really date material. Um, pretty pretty dark, but I'm a fan of the Coen brothers. They're, they're actually from my hometown. Went to the same high school I did. So I'm a fan, but if you had seen it, uh, No Country for Old Men. Just a good movie, kind of in the old spaghetti western tradition. So if you did overlook it, like I did, it's on Netflix right now, and you can check it out. So that's oh, that it. sounds interesting. Um, yeah, I, I, I enjoyed it. It's kind of not an uplifting movie, but uh, very well done. So that's it for our show today. I want to thank you for coming on the show, Anastasi. That was great info. I think we learned a lot. So how can people find you on, on the Internet? Um, yeah, first of all, thank you for inviting me. And you can find me on Twitter. Uh, just ping me there. And if you have some questions, I can answer them. And, of course, you can write me on email. Just use the same nickname, Vixentail, at gmail.com. And if you have some questions regarding your application, feel free. I'm... I'm okay to share my knowledge. You can check my slides. You can read texts I wrote because I'm really, you know, paranoid and I want the world be a more secure place. Definitely, you've got a lot of good blog posts and talks out there. So there's a lot of a lot of stuff you put out there. So we appreciate it. The community does. Thank you. Okay, everyone else, we'll see you next week. Well, thank you, Anastasi. Thank you, thank you. Have a good day. Okay. Bye. Bye. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com to learn more.